0: Welcome to Hymn Talk, a discussion of hymns, music, and singing in the life of the church. I'm Zach DePrima, and with me again is my dear friend, Aaron Menikoff. Aaron, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm Thank glad to be on Him and Her Talk. <laughs>
0: That is not the name of this show. It is Him Talk, H-Y-M-N. Uh, in case anybody is confused, Aaron is very silly. Uh, Aaron, you're the author of a book that was published this year, 2020. Yeah. Um, or I think as our listeners may be listening to this, it'll be 2021. Anyway, you're the author of the book Character Matters, uh, Shepherding in the Fruit of the Spirit. What's this book about and why did you write it?
1: Oh, the book's about the pieces of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22. You
0: say pieces. Why don't you just say, you know, the fruit of the Spirit? Um, different fruit of the Spirit. Well,
1: because I like getting across the side. Love's this. a fruit. Joy I, is yeah, a fruit. Peace yeah, is a different yeah. fruit. I don't want to push it too far, but I think the, I, I do think that Paul's Paul's point is that there the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness self-control that is the fruit and i think if you don't keep that in mind that these are all part of one fruit you can fall into the trap of thinking you know what i'm really faithful does it really matter all that much if i'm not that gentle Mm -hmm. so the book is a meditation on the fruit of the holy spirit applied to pastors and church leaders in particular that's what the book's about And why did you write it? I wrote it because I thought it would be helpful for pastors to read. Um, I wrote it because I think that there are pastors, I know, that there are pastors who are good theologically and who really do a pretty good job of focusing on the big pitfalls that immediately come to our mind when we think about falling out of ministry. Hmm. I'm thinking here of, you know, sexual sin. And... They don't necessarily do a good job of honing in on subtle patterns of sin that creep into every Christian's life that might not register uh, as a big problem, but over time can cause a lot of problems. And I have personally found that meditating on these lists in the New Testament does a lot of good for bringing to uh, our attention uh, real problems that we might not be aware are problems. Hmm. And so that's why I wrote it.
0: Hmm. What might be some reasons um, why it's easy for pastors or Christian leaders to neglect personal holiness?
1: Well, I think we are all – that's not a pastor problem, right? That's a, a Christian problem. We, we wouldn't have to be told to be careful lest we fall. we it not for the fact that we are prone to not be careful. We wouldn't have to be told to examine uh, ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. We're not for the fact that we're forgetful people right? and we're prone to avoid self-examination. And so pastors are, are Christians, and they need to be exhorted to follow those basic scriptural exhortations. Uh, It is also likely that pastors can fall into the trap of assuming that because they're handling the Word of God week in and week out, because they are seen as paragons of virtue— that perhaps they've got basic things like joy or gentleness mm, or mm-hmm. compassion they've got those things down mm-hmm. and that would be a, that would be a mistake hmm.
0: do you think it's well do you think there's a balance there like is it important for pastors to convey a sense of stability to their people rather than vulnerability in, in in every way uh for so for example I mean is it if if a pastor has been struggling with with impatience with his wife it, it, is it important that he's vulnerable about that with his congregation on from the pulpit in in public or is it is there something to a pastor uh, conveying a sense of stability and constancy in, with his character to his people even if he is struggling on some level with sin
1: I mean it's absolutely Crucial that a pastor communicate uh, a sense of uh, Christian maturity. I don't know. I don't know what I yeah. think about stability. Yeah, but I think he, a better he, word. he needs to be mature. Right. Period. Uh, his congregation needs to know he's mature, mm-hmm. but his congregation needs to know him well enough to know that his maturity is not a facade. Mm-hmm. And the way a pastor, I think, does that is not always through the pulpit. Uh, It's through being known by his church members. You know, how often do you hear people say, smell like the sheep? Well, what does that mean? It means you are significantly in the lives of the members of the church you're so privileged to serve that they get to know you, warts and all. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So, whether or not that means you get in the pulpit and open up your sermon with, I just had a terrible fight with my wife, and would you please pray for me? Uh, I don't know that I've ever done that, but I have certainly (laughs) shared with my congregation uh, sins that I've I've had, and I've done so uh, in a way to point to the glory and grace of God Mm -hmm. and not to shine a spotlight on myself. Mm -hmm. So this book isn't about... I'm not trying to get pastors to... Uh, simply be more transparent with their congregations. Right. If anything, I'm trying to get pastors to be more transparent with themselves. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, you've shared it several times, or I've heard you sh- share it several times, um, one of the impetus for this book, and, and that is your own contemplation of gentleness in your life, and you had a brother that was faithful to, to speak to you about that. Uh, would you mind sharing that here?
1: Yeah, well, it was really interesting. I had a I have a dear brother on staff with me, and he um, he was about to be uh, be nominated as an elder, mm-hmm. and that process coincided. He was on staff with me, coincided with uh, an evaluation of sorts, and in the evaluation, I always ask, um, is there anything that I need to know as I seek to be a better you know manager, and that's when in writing he shared that he wasn't. Sure that it would be wise for him to serve as an elder, because he had found that uh, relating to me personally could often be difficult, because uh, I could be harsh, or intimidating, or uh, just just in my speech I could be sort of intense and almost prosecutorial, hmm, mm-hmm. and. So what was super interesting about that to me is that as I prayed for my, it's not like I wasn't concerned about my godliness before then. Uh, I was, you know, constantly checking pride and checking lust and checking laziness. But if you had asked me, is gentleness a problem? I would have said no. And so here was a brother who I really trust, really respect. And he was able to identify a pattern of sin in my life Mm -hmm. that was frustrating him and that i wasn't even aware of Mm -hmm. so that's really the genesis of of the book but but it's also why i see the book as being so important Mm -hmm. is that we really can be blind to the patterns of sin in our lives and that's what i experienced and so god used his gentle confrontation of me to basically help me focus on on that particular piece of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, hmm.
0: Aaron. One of the chapters I enjoyed most in your book was the chapter on joy. And part of what you argue in that chapter is is all right, Christians, you know, we're, we're commanded uh, to rejoice. Uh, joy, we know, is a fruit of the Spirit, uh, but we don't attain joy by by looking for it. Uh, I think what the subtitle in the chapter is "Stop looking for it." What, what yeah. do you mean by that? Can you can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, uh, it's going to take me just a little a little moment to kind of unpack it mm-hmm. um, because it, it goes back to the fact that you know I was saved and when I was uh, eighteen or nineteen years old, and then about four years later, that's when I really started growing theologically, and all of a sudden, uh, I was being exposed to Puritan writings. I was being exposed to language about the affections Mm -hmm. that had never been taught to me before. Um, And with that came this understanding that it's not enough to obey God. I've got to want to obey God. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got to be joyful. And at times that idea was very frustrating because I don't know how to, like if I'm not feeling joyful, Telling myself to be joyful just seemed counterintuitive Mm -hmm. and almost a little bit silly. And yet, you know, I'm hearing about, you know, Thomas Chalmers and the expulsive, you know, power of a new affection. And I'm a little bit concerned that in the Reformed world, where we are rightly paying so much attention to the heart, as Mm -hmm. does the Bible, Right that we are going to lose the forests through the trees. Hmm. Uh, and what we really want to be focused on is Christ. Yes. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. I, I'm not going to say that you can't find a verse in the Bible that says look for joy. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to find a lot of verses in the Bible that say my help comes from God. Mm-hmm. Christ is my hope. Mm-hmm. Set your minds on things above where Christ is seated. Mm-hmm. And so... I want us to want joy with a rabid intensity. Mm. I just want to be aware that the more you look for joy itself, it's going to be a bit like a mirage, and it's going to disappear. But if you look for Christ, you will definitely have seasons, like the psalmists have, where you're not feeling it. But if Christ is your Savior savior, and the Holy Spirit is in you, those seasons will come to an end, Mm -hmm. and you will experience Deep and abiding joy. Yeah. Now, at some level, every Christian is experiencing some level of joy all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly what I'm talking about right now. I'm mm-hmm. talking about um, uh, a kind of uh, a kind of resting in yeah. Christ that sometimes we don't feel. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I think you're so right. I mean, Christ is the source of joy. I, I think of it. I mean, this is this might be silly, but I, I think of it often at like weight loss. You know, if you want to make it your goal to, to lose weight you know, in 2021, uh, you're not going to be doing that by looking around for weight loss or, or pursuing mm. weight You want to pursue those, those, those practices and those things that lead to weight loss. And I think similarly, when we look at Christian joy, when Joyce talked about the Bible, primarily it's going to be attached to some truth. And, and usually, most often, some truth related to Christ. I mean, I, I think of Peter when he's talking to saints in First Peter, and uh, you, know, in this, you rejoice. He's talking about the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. He's talking about that that day mm-hmm. when the Lord will make all things right. And we're exiles right now, and mm-hmm. we're looking towards that day. And in this, you rejoice, mm-hmm. and and and, and mm-hmm. uh, you you're uh, uh, you're able to persevere through all sufferings and trials. Well. Uh, they're not just rejoicing for for joy's sake. It's it's because of some truth that they're attaching that joy and that affection to.
1: Right, right, right. And yeah, even when James says we're to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of of many kinds, it's because we fundamentally know yes that God is going to preserve and protect us and sanctify us through the midst of that trial. So even there, James is he's fixing our eyes on the on the the protective sanctifying power of our lord and that is a wonderful thing and meditating on that hmm. is what's going to produce the the joy uh the joy that that we all that we, that we all want so i think that's i think perhaps that's a, a a theme that i'm attracted to this idea that there's so many things that we want maybe it's joy yes uh maybe it's community right and Let's take a step back and say, let's not make an idol out of joy. Let's not make an idol out of community. Both good things. Mm. But the moment you begin to idolize them, you're not going to find them. You were you were built to worship God. Worship him. Community and joy will come. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we were talking about a moment ago about pastors being vulnerable with their congregations. And you said even more so, you want them to be open and honest with themselves and to see themselves more clearly as a Christian um, and you can speak to Christians, most of these questions you can answer you know in the vein of, of Christians or, or pastors or Christian leaders, but as a Christian, how do I discern my, my fruitfulness in the fruit of the Spirit? I mean part of your story is you were always pursuing holiness, you're always trying to grow, but there was this thing that, that somebody else pointed out to you how can I take inventory of my growth in the fruit of the Spirit?
1: Well, again, I think that most of us, I think I know that it's true for me, and so I, it's true for many of us, that we probably can quickly put our finger on two or three things that we know we struggle with, two or three areas that we want to grow in. And um, so how can we grow in fruitfulness? Be open to the possibility that there are some other patterns of temptation or sin in your life that you're not aware of. Hmm. How can you find out what those are? Ah, Galatians 5 is a great place. Yes. Other lists in the New Testament will be very helpful. Ephesians chapter 4. um, uh, You can go throughout the New Testament and pay attention to these lists. They're there as special gifts to us and be open to the possibility that there are some areas in your life that you're just not aware of and then, of course, ultimately, you just need people in your life who love you enough, like that brother loved me enough to tell me the truth. You know, so being able to speak to someone and say, "Hey, I was going through Galatians five. Mm. You know, I, could you help me out here? Where do you see, uh, where do you see I'm growing? Are there are there some areas you think I'm 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 not growing as much in? Uh, if you've got a good friend, if you've got a spouse, I mean, that's a great place to start. Mm.
0: Well, last question I have for you. We, we, uh, I wish we could spend more time on on the book, but character matters. I, is matters a verb or is it a noun?
1: Well, that's a bit. Or of the, is it a double entendre? It's a little bit of a of a double entendre, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's both. It's, okay. Uh, you know, you know, census plenor. You know, there's a double meaning there.
0: Very nice. All praise to him is the hymn of the podcast that we're going to be discussing right now. Uh, All Praise to Him is a hymn by Bob Coughlin and Matt Merker. And uh, this is a wonderful song of praise. Uh, one challenge, Aaron, I don't know if you have this at, at your church, uh, I find there are only so many songs that I love to open a service with, that are ju- just hit the exact right note. And this song for, for us here at Emanuel is one of those songs. It's, uh, it, it's in the category, on my spreadsheet of, 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 and my song list, it's in the category of Songs of Praise. And uh, it's just a wonderful song to, to open our service with. Uh, the song is, uh, there are three verses, and it, it strikes a Trinitarian note as each verse is addressed to a different member of the Trinity. Now, Merker and Coughlin, they're, not, they're certainly not um, original in this triune emphasis, Uh, Yet, honestly, I think this is a tool that isn't used enough. I think for for us to see the Trinity at work in our singing and to address the different persons of the Godhead is a wonderful thing. And uh, Merker and Coughlin do that uh, very well in this song. Now, I can say for for my part, this is one of our church's well-liked songs. For my my part, I actually didn't used to be a big fan of this tune uh, before we sang it. But I was was one over it really by the well-crafted lines and themes of this song. So, for example, Merker and Coughlin, they they, they employ alliteration very well. So if you look at, uh, I think it's the first verse, uh, fourth or fifth line, it says, All praise to him who reigns in love, who guides the galaxies above, guides the galaxies above. And later he says, "All praise to Him who humbly, uh, who humbly came to bear our sorrow, sin, and shame." There's wonderful lines. Uh, good use of alliteration. Sometimes alliteration can be lazy. I think these are these are good examples of those. Uh, many of the lines also they're thought provoking. Aaron, this is one of those songs that I listen to, and uh, the tenth time I'm singing it, there's something new I'm gleaning from the song that I didn't catch the the first several times. Uh, they're, they're thought-provoking. I, I think in the second verse, he's it's addressed to the person of Christ, and 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 Mercer writes, "Who lived to die, who died to rise, the all-sufficient sacrifice." He's describing Jesus. Jesus, he he lived. It was he he was incarnate and he lived a perfect life. He was sent in the world. Well, why? Well, ultimately to die. Well, why did he die? He died in order to rise. Uh, just well-written lines here, uh, and the writers they also they also. They use juxtaposition very well. So they, they thoughtfully accentuate the, the the spectrum of God's character through through comparing and contrasting different traits. So we see this uh, very very uh, acutely in verse one, where it's it's addressed to God the Father, and he talks about really the The transcendence of God, the magnificence of God. He says, "All praise to Him who names the stars that sing His name from skies afar. All praise to Him, to Him who reigns in love, who guides the galaxies above." Transcendence, these massive concepts about God, and then he says, "Yet bends to hear our every prayer with sovereign power and tender care. Sovereign power." And tender care, we see both of these in God the Father. God reveals Himself as a Father. Packer, as well, said it. Father is the Christian name for God. Well, he's also the the sovereign over all creation, and I think uh, these writers uh, do that very well uh, in addressing Christ. You know, Christ, He's He left behind His glorious throne. You know, we think of Christ being forever at perfect unity and, and communion in the Godhead. Uh, yet he came to bear our sorrow. He came to pay the ransom. Uh, he came as a servant king. He again lived to die and, and, and died to rise. So the hymn uh, does all of that very well. Aaron, you have any thoughts on this hymn?
1: Well, just I just want to encourage you. What an edifying exercise mm. to hear you walk us through this uh, this new hymn. I mean, that was uh, that was really I enjoyed that. So mm. thank you mm. uh, thank for you. doing that and for. Uh, continuing to do that with other hymns. I certainly appreciate... I I presume you picked this hymn for this episode because of what I see in the third stanza. Yes. All praise to him whose power imparts the love of God within our hearts, the spirit of all truth and peace, and then the fount of joy and holiness. So the spirit is the fount of joy. I would say that, that holiness in a nutshell, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I think it's interesting that that they chose joy and mm. holiness. Mm-hmm. So that's perhaps because, again, that's something that maybe our generation is uniquely longing for. Mm. And mm-hmm. so uh, uh, they, they wanted to accentuate that particular uh, piece of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So it comes... It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Holy Spirit. But you used that. You you brought up this idea of juxtaposition. He goes on to say, "To Father, Son, and Spirit, now our souls we lift, our wills we bow." Hmm. So there's this great, you know, idea of there. You know, I'm I'm to I'm to pray because I I can't be filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit unless God does the filling. I hmm. know that it's the Lord's work. I need to pray. And as I'm doing that, I need to be bowing my will. Yes. I need to be submitting myself to the Lord. Yes. I need to be obeying Him. Um, I need to lift up my soul to Him. I recognize I can only do that by grace, yes. but that's my work. Mm-hmm. And it's God's work to fill me with uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think of it often. It, it goes well with this, this conversation we're having. Uh, I believe it's Martin Lloyd-Jones in Spiritual Depression, that book. He spends a lot of time in Psalm 42, mm-hmm. which is a psalm we sung today where where the psalmist is addressing his own soul. And he says part of the problem with, with Christians today is we too often listen to ourselves instead of uh, speak to ourselves and speak truth to ourselves and even preach to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is a wonderful song to, to do that where uh, pursuing the fruit of the Spirit involves that and involves um, some activity on our end. But ultimately, we're looking for the Spirit to cultivate that grace in our lives Amen. as well. Well, friends, with that, we're out of time. Uh, as far as versions of this song, I suggest that you listen to uh, one of two versions. First, there's a Together for the Gospel recording. I think either at the 2018 or 2016 conference, uh, that is a solid version of, of Bob Kaufman leading the song on piano and uh, something like 10,000 uh, men and women singing with him and uh there's also a great greater great full band version uh on the album prayers of the saints uh, that was released by Sovereign and grace music but ultimately uh it will probably sound best in your congregation with your people singing it so we uh recommend and commend this song to you but with this we're out of time aaron thank you for your time thank you